Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Sell by Being Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention, convince, persuade, or influence us, they're not just salespeople. I think they're great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang. So, oh my gosh, I've been literally uh, wanting to speak with this guest for, for months, probably since I've started the podcast when I read her book. Uh, she's a best-selling author, internationally sought-off speaker. She's a founder of the Spaghetti Project, which is such a cool name. We'll get into what that is all about. And it's a really just a ritual devoted to sharing the science and stories of relationships at work. Um, I love she calls herself a dot connector, which uh, you know is, is uh, what sales is all about in many ways. Um, she also helps uh, first-class businesses organizations and individuals improve their performance by honoring relationships um, with always an eye toward high tech for human touch. She's been one of Marshall Goldsmith's top 100 coaches in 2020. She's been featured in Business Insider and uh, her book, Bring Your Human to Work, which I uh, first found her uh, 10 surefire ways to design a workplace that's good for people, great for business and just might change the world. Uh, is is out, and she's also uh, publishing a new book in January of 2020 called Rituals Roadmap. I am so, so excited to welcome none other than Erica Keswin to the podcast. Welcome, Erica. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was quite an introduction. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad to talk to you. People are going to you probably listen, this is a podcast for, um, you know, not just salespeople, for, for anyone that's really just wanting to understand really how to develop their, I call them human skills, soft skills. How do, you, how do we connect to each other and really uh, get people to, um, yeah, just buy into us? And um, I thought this was such a great perspective from you because you're a workplace strategist and you've um, you've been you know, spending your career around just understanding those human connections at work. So we're going to dive into that. It's everyone says, okay, be human and, you know, be more human. And I think people think that's a fluffy term. And I, I really want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, but before we do, uh, my first question is, Erica, just tell us what you love about what you get to do every day. Sure. So as you said in my introduction, I one of the ways I describe myself is, is that of a dot connector. And if you were to speak to people who knew me in middle school and high school and business school and my friends and say, what is one word that you would use to describe Erica as a human? More than just a few of them would likely say connector. So I, I feel like in many ways I was born to connect people. I worked in executive recruiting, connecting people to great jobs. One of my side hustles is I've set up three marriages. And so I seem to have <laughs> a, a knack for it. And so what I love about this work is that I get to do what I feel like I was born to do for a living, which um, really is a gift in, in so many ways. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, 
you said you did it like from an early age. I mean, you know, were you the the kid and were you setting up those those relationships uh, in the middle school and elementary school? Like, was there an early time <laughs> that you that you noticed that, hey, I'm kind of good at, you know, yeah, connecting people that are, are value that have some value, whether it's maybe your friends to jobs or um, yeah, like, was there some time early on that you thought you noticed that you were good at it? Well, I don't think I was setting up uh, boyfriend, girlfriend situations in middle school, but I will say my, my parents got divorced when I was 10. And the research shows that that children of divorced parents, because mm. things in their own house aren't going as smoothly as others, they often reach out and they're and can, they're connecting with their their friends' families and their friends' parents. So I think I did feel this need from a pretty early age to proactively forge relationships outside of my nuclear family, whether that was with my gymnastics coach or teachers mm -hmm. or, or parents, friends. And I began to see the benefit of that and that I was good at it and that I really liked it. You know, when, when, when you have deep relationships, as you know, it's, it's good for you as a person. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into how it's also good for business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I am curious about that. Like we don't look at ourselves enough to see, you know, kind of, um, yeah, what, why we are who we are and enough, because I'm kind of that way too. Like, I think a lot of my life I was, you know, I was somebody that was, um, and I never, never had like that, you know, just lifelong friend or groups of friends. Like some people have groups of 10 or 15 or eight friends. I was always just kind of the floater, uh, that floated around and just right, wanted to, right. I, I didn't care about being in anyone's group. Some people may think of that as, you know, Hey, he was, uh, I don't know, a little shady or something like that. Um, but I, um, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, it, it, it gives you perspective when you, when you're open to just that you're not closed off to, to, to knowing anybody. Um, was that right. sort of like yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I felt comfort in having a group, but but have always known the importance of investing in those close relationships and relationships that aren't as close. I mean, you know, there's only a num there's only a certain number of hours in the day, but I. I began to realize I didn't come from a family where when I graduated, everybody had a million connections to get me a job or an internship. <laughs> I mean, I remember getting out of college and I wanted to move to Washington, D.C. And I went to the bookstore and literally bought a book on getting an internship in Washington, D.C. and wrote 100 letters and ended up getting a job. And so I think it was this combination of being open and, and realizing that, wow, maybe you know, if I did happen to know some people, this process would be a lot <laughs> easier. And so, you know, it was a combination of seeing, seeing the benefits of those relationships. But again, it's that it's both what that did for me as a person in terms of, you know, really and truly enjoying people and getting to know all different kinds of people to your point. And then also just seeing some of the benefits of, of having that wider network. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like, I, I think um, 
we we sometimes don't really see the benefits of that unless we actually go through it and and see like what knowing people can actually do for us um and being intentional about it i think not just knowing people but actually you know as you say kind of honor relationships and we'll talk about that you know kind of being human at work um you know can you just yeah maybe we'll just kind of get into it like you know at some point early in your career um, I imagine, I don't know if this was in school or in your first job, um, you probably noticed uh, what it means to just be human at work or just to be a person that people enjoyed spending time with, that people were drawn to. What did that look like early on in your career? If you could kind of put your finger on a person or maybe events and what was the impact of that when you started noticing those situations? I'd say one of my first bosses after I graduated from business school was someone who, you know, we, we developed a very strong working relationship, you know, spent a lot of time. I was in consulting, traveling a lot. Um, you know, when when you begin to work with people a lot on a regular basis, it's like you can almost finish each other's sentences. So there's, you begin to see real impacts to even productivity when you, when you develop those strong working relationships. And when you work in consulting and professional services and you're a junior person like I was, it's better for you when the senior people request you and want you mm -hmm. on on their projects. And so, you know, it, it was a, you know, it was doing good work, but it was also just really going above and beyond. And for me, trying to anticipate how can I be the most helpful in this junior role, both to him and also to, to the clients as well. And, and like many of my former bosses, you know, 25 years later, we're still in touch. I mean, I think that's also mm -hmm. sort of shows you know, a couple of years ago when my book came out, I had all of these people that I've worked with over the years reaching out, buying books and, you know, wanting to wanting to support me as I had supported supported them and still do. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I've always heard it said uh, that the best salespeople could quit their job tomorrow and be consultants for their clients because they just know you know, their client, they, they just spend a lot of time really understanding their client's business problems and just their, 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 their worlds. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, how can you even begin to think that you could, you know, help someone influence change if you, if you don't know them well enough. So I think it seems like you've, you built that up really strong. You, you built that acumen up um, in, in that consulting gig, would you, would you say that? That's kind of yeah. In like. consulting. And then I worked in an executive recruiting, which mm. many people view as sales, mm. right? I, I'm going to find you a new job and quote unquote, sell you on this opportunity. I think one of the reasons why I excelled in that job was that I never really viewed it as sales. Mm -hmm. You know, if I convince you to take a job that at the end of the day really is not a good fit, um, you know, it's not good for the client. It's not good for you. And what, what can happen is you're going to get there and then in three months you're going to leave and I'm going to have to do the search all over. <laughs> so at the end, it's not good for me as well. So yeah. I approached the, you know, consulting and recruiting as 
relationship businesses and that I really want to find the best opportunity for the company and, and for the person. And I would say one way that I built those relationships and helped me build my own book of business was, you know, I worked at one of the major executive recruiting firms and everybody wanted to, you know, talk, everybody wants to talk to the consultants there because, you know, they, they were, they're placing people at top companies all around the world. So I mm-hmm. had plenty of people reaching out to me and what I, one of my strategies, which I guess, I think at the time I didn't even realize it was a strategy. It was sort of just me and what I did was that, let's say you called me and wanted to get together for a cup of coffee or send me your resume, but I didn't have a search that I was working on that would fit you in that moment. Many people in that business are really just, they have their eye on the searches they're doing and they just want to talk to people who can be the round peg in the round hole. (laughs) I focused there, but I also said, you know what? I'm going to meet with X amount of people a month just because and talk to them and build those relationships, even though um, they're not the right fit for my searches. And what ended up happening was when those people found new jobs, they called me to do searches in their, for their new companies because they saw how I treated, treated them and honored those relationships and was willing to connect with them, even if there wasn't anything in it for me in the immediate future. And it's really playing the long game and, and just being willing to build those relationships that may or may not, quote unquote, lead to something specific, but, but you're doing them because because you care and really just because you want to build relationships because you never know. <laughs> yeah. To- I mean, man, I, I think uh, a lot of people aren't willing to, you know, really actually put a strategy around their long game. I liked how you said it. You were just, you know, you didn't think of it as a strategy. You were just kind of doing it because you did care, you know, about people. And I think when it is natural that way, it then it you're right. Like it doesn't come across as you know, what most people define as sales, I'm trying to redefine it as, um, you know, kind of more leading, guiding, helping um, wherever you can. Um, and if yeah, that I, results- Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. I, I think that when, when you're trying to network or sell, all of these different things, if you can approach it from the perspective of what can I give to this person in this moment, um, you know, it's whether it's karma or whatever that is, it tends to, it tends, it tends to go better. But interestingly, I did not think of this as a strategy, but I have shared with people that I mentor or come to me with things that I don't think it's a bad word to, to think of it as a strategy. I mean, I had someone yeah. reach out to me recently who said, you know, I, I just got wind that my company may be selling my division. It may not be for a while. And my advice was, look, start reaching out to people to check in with them as humans were in COVID. And, you know, these are crazy times. Again, not in a, what's the word? You know, it, not in sort of a sly, self-serving. way. Yeah. Right. Not in a self-serving way. But I did say to her, look, if a year from now, eight months from now, six months from now, you really are going to start a job search. It is much better to reach out now to people with literally no agenda, but just to check in. And who knows what could come of it? And, you know, and, and it's good to be there for, for people in your network. So set a goal. You know, you're going to reach out to five people a week, three people a week. You know, we, we don't have a ton of time. And you've probably heard me say this on, on some other things that I've done, but, and it's sort of cheesy, but left to our own devices, 
we're not connecting. And if we aren't intentional about reaching out to people, the days go by, the weeks go by, even in COVID, you know, when we're working from home and not commuting, I find that if I'm not intentional and write it down and schedule it, these things tend to not happen. And in the world of, you know, whether you're selling a widget or selling an idea in a meeting, um, you're going to be more successful having built relationships from the bottom up. Totally agree. I've noticed it myself in my own job search. I mean, I was, you know, I began it with reaching out to people and just LinkedIn, um, trying to ask if they could, if they knew of anyone that would be helpful for me to know, you know, knowing what I'm trying, I explained to them, listen, I've, I've just been affected in a reduction in force. And this is um, a little about my background and what I'm looking for. If there's anybody that you'd be, that you think would be helpful for me to know, you know, please let me know. Or if you have time to explore this with me, let me know. And, you know, some people didn't, but then, you know, the, some people did reach out and it was just conversations. It wasn't like, Hey, do you know of anybody with a job? Or do you know, of any, any, can you review my resume? Can you do this for me? It was just, you know, would you, if, if you'd be interested in, in talking or just kind of seeing right. how you've been, I haven't, we haven't talked in a year and this is uh, where I'm at let me know. And so many people came to the rescue. And I, I started also kind of like finding where I didn't find success is just blanketing my resume. You know, when I blanketed the resume, send it to tons of companies you know, I maybe got to one or two interviews, but I didn't really get the type of engagement that I wanted because I just mm -hmm. didn't have that groundswell of awareness about myself that I eventually got with the company that I did land with. Um, so I completely agree. Um, I, I want you to kind of, you know, transition a little bit. I mean, to talk about your work and kind of, so, so for people that don't know you, if um, you know, you're listening to this for the first time and maybe, you know, of Erica um, maybe this is the first time meeting you. Um, can you talk about like, talk about the book um, that you uh, did that work. And I mean, you, you noticed a, a, a lot of themes I imagine. So, and, and, and I love that you called yourself a dot connector. You took a lot of information and you connected some dots about, um, what companies are doing to create places that are very focused on people and your, the, the title of the book is being, uh, bring your human to work. And so can you talk a little bit about uh, the work of that book and also what themes did you begin to notice at all these companies that you, these great companies that you went into uh, to examine their workplaces and how people interacted with each other? Sure. So bring your human to work. I, I did connect the dots. I came up with 10 ways that companies can create a more human workplace. And I think one of the key takeaways is that the, that it's by creating a more human workplace, it's not only good for your employees, but it's also good for your bottom line, that this really is a win-win. And what we think about what millennials and Gen Z really want out of work, they want to work for companies that are more human, that stand for things. They buy products from companies who have purpose and stand for things. And so this, this really is a business imperative. The, the first chapter in the book is called Be Real, How to Speak in a Human Voice. And, you know, people often say, wow, there's 10 ways. Do I have to do all 10? Are they in any particular order? And while I love all my 10 children or chapters, 
equally, I will say that they're not in any particular order except for that first chapter, that if you don't know your, your values and what you stand for as a person, as a business, as a leader, it's hard to then align you know, everything else to it. And one of my takeaways from that chapter, which I know that that you and that you took something from this chapter as well, is you know the 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 proactive piece of this is how do you get the values off the walls and into the halls? How do you make them real? Because ninety nine percent of companies will say to me, "Oh, we have a set of values," and then I try to go deeper on what they are. Oh, I forgot. Well, there's kind of overlap between this one and that one. You know, Uber when it was imploding back in the day under the the founder um, and CEO Travis, they had 14 values. Which you know, who can remember 14 values? And, and clearly, you know, there were some issues over there. So that's chapter one. Other themes, though, that I began to go deeper are things like wellness. Is a chapter called "Be Well." That a human workplace is one that really values wellness, physical and you know, emotional mental health, which, you know, we've seen that during, during this pandemic more than anything else. There's a chapter called Give Back, how companies are aligning their values around how they give back. There's a chapter called Playing the Long Game, which focuses on diversity and inclusion and what I call in the book, intentional work practices. And, you know, because if, if, if you don't think about how to incorporate things like workplace flexibility, you're, you're never going to be high, be able to hire a working parent or, you know, and it's so crazy, you know, fast forward two years from when I wrote this book and everybody's working from home because at the time, so many companies felt, well, we could never do that. It would kill our culture and all that. There's a chapter on space, you know, space matters. How does your physical space of your office impact how people connect? That's going to be a really interesting topic as we move forward and looking at both remote and hybrid workplaces and how companies are redesigning the physical workplace. Um, And then two more chapters I'll mention, you know, one is called taking professional development personally, which is one of my favorite and I think most important chapters, even though I did just say I love all my chapters (laughs) chapters <laughs> and children equally. But, you know, when, when you look at what people want out of work, they do want to develop up, down and sideways. And for many people, how they're, they're having opportunities to develop is even more important than, than compensation for many people. And so gone are the days of the 50 rungs in the ladder of IBM and General Motors, where you could get promoted every year. Organizations are much more flat. So we need to be more creative about how we develop people both professionally, but also many companies now are looking at, you know, personal development, you know, in the workplace, which, which is something we hadn't seen before. And then finally, the last chapter in the book is called Say Thanks. And it's all about the importance of gratitude at work and, and the impact of that. So it's a lot of different ideas. And what's great is that if you're a leader of a small team or a department or the CEO, or if you're at a startup or even an individual contributor, you can really pick and choose um, from all of these different um, ideas and, and things that resonate with you. Yeah. So awesome, gang. <laughs> Please go out and read this book. Um, you know, all 10 chapters have so many tactical things and examples and store. I just love how you just used real, so many real stories from um, so many great companies um, to bring it to life. Um, I want to focus on, well, 
I'm going to ask two questions, but I want to focus on kind of speaking in a human voice. And I mean, I love the quote. I I, I re I, I quote you so much with the, <laughs> taking values off of the halls, uh, off of the walls, and putting them into the halls. I I love that quote. I wanted to ask you. I'm just so curious about this. Like, how did that? Because I've I've heard you talk about how that you know shows up in companies and how to ask that in interview processes about exactly what does that look like? What did that look for Like, I know you mentioned, you know, you were growing up, you were, you know, parents divorced at an early age, but what were the values, you know, that you got as a, as a, as a kid, you know, from your parents, how did that look, how, how were the, how were those values taken off of the walls growing up for you uh, in the house? What did that look like for you? We, my parents, they always valued education mm. and family time, you know, even though I was going back and forth to different, you know, to my, to see both, both parents, um, it was, you know, to make sure that we sat down for family dinner, mm. um, which also was a ritual that, you know, I get into some of that in, in my new book, but you know, those, those kinds of things and, and putting, putting that first, you know, over time, my parents, even though their divorce became friendly. And so we all <laughs> actually, you know, were able to have, um, you know, holiday meals together, which awesome. was, was always made for some interesting, uh, interesting <laughs> stories, but was sort of nice not to have to go back and forth. I think, especially on my dad's side, prioritized taking calculated risks and pushed me to you know, to go to business school and to study abroad when I wasn't sure if I wanted to go. And so, um, yeah, I think that, that a lot of that started there. I've tried to bring some of that to, to my kids and, and to my family as well. Yeah. I, you know, I ask it just because I think we don't, you know, take a lot of the things in our personal lives into our businesses or into our, um, approaches maybe with other human beings enough, you know, whether they be in sales situations or just our interactions and, you know, they, they influence us, you know, the things that we've learned at an early age. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious about getting people to have those conversations and, and try to connect because a lot of the times it's maybe someone's listening to this, like, huh, like I do that, you know, I, maybe I could, you know, bring some of those things into my business and, you know, so that's kind of, you know, where I was going with it. Um, well, well, yeah, but to, but to your point, I mean, people say, oh, well, how am I going to bring something like a family dinner to my, to my business? <laughs> you know, you talked earlier about the spaghetti project and the, you know, the, what started this whole idea was when I was writing, bring your human to work, I came across that study out of yep. Cornell by professor Kevin Niffen, who was looking at what makes one team higher performing than the other. And his, dad was a firefighter and he studied firehouses and found that the firefighters who were the most dedicated to the ritual of the firehouse meal and eating together, building trust, like, you know, strengthening those relationships that actually correlated with higher performance and those firefighters save more lives. So for people listening, they might think, well, well, I'm not in a job, you know, I'm not on the front lines like that, but there's so many stories where if you can connect over a meal or a cup of coffee and, you know, a virtual cup of coffee right now and, and get to know people personally, it, I feel so, I mean, I know this, it just works that it does have an impact on your business. 
What if, and I'm curious, so, you know, great segue. So I love that concept. Like, so gang, Erica puts on dinners for businesses and, you know, she, she witnesses just stronger connections between teams. And also, um, I think with their external partners and, um, you know, and, 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 you know, she takes people through just a, a process over just spaghetti and meatballs where people build that trust. And, and you can talk about that, but I'm curious, have you ever done some of these engagements with, uh, you know, with a team of people that were selling in some aspect at, in their work and, and kind of what have, what have been the impacts or what have been the effects of, of, you know, these, these dinners that you put on, um, when people go back into their companies? You mean since, since, um, the pandemic, or, or just you know, in general. In general, yeah. I don't know how it's transitioned since the, yeah. I mean, maybe it's I mean, virtual since the pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic, and look, the relationship building is 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 unbelievable. And I can, I can give a very real-time example. So okay. I recently reached out, one of the last spaghetti project, I did a lunch before everybody was going into quarantine with this amazing group of women. And, and you know, I meet with all different kinds of people. This one in particular um, they, I reached out to seven or eight people that all kind of do what I do in, in different ways. And one could think that we're competing with each other, but, you know, my perspective has always been, you know, we can raise each other up. And many of us had written books and were on the speaking circuit. Some had podcast, all different things. So everybody came over and, you know, we're not quote unquote selling to each other, but one of the questions that I always ask, you know, tell us how we can help you. You know, what is something that you can, that you need and something that you can offer? And I take notes and then I send them out to everybody. And two people from that were there started a business together. I'm doing mm. an event December 1st with another woman I met from there. We all mm. follow each other on social media. I mean, the group, it was unbelievable. So a couple of weeks ago, I was just, you know, feeling sorry for myself that, you know, one of my bad COVID days and I'm like, oh, I'm going crazy in my house and kids are all home in school and just was thinking about this group that it was like the last one. So I sent out a note and I said, you know, I was just thinking about you all. This was, I cannot wait to be able to get us all back together. Would everybody mind giving an update on, you know, what's going on and what do you need? Like, how can we continue to support each other? And the emails that were going back and forth were unbelievable. And finally, someone said, I just feel so grateful that I can go back to this group, wow. you know, to, yeah. to ask for, for support. Yeah. And so, you know, for some, some got quote unquote more out of it than others, depending on how that's defined. But what was amazing to me, and it's this group does not know each other well, mm. but coming to something where you are invited to bring your whole self and almost expected, like no one's multitasking, your phones aren't on the table, <laughs> you're actually there to give and to receive. When I put out the question of how's everybody doing, there was none of this, oh, I'm fine, I'm this. People were open and honest. You know, I lost my job, my husband's sick, my mother passed away. I mean, mm. I mean, we're very real and open. And it's, it, it's been a very interesting, I actually went for, you know, I live in New York city and I went for a walk this morning in central park with a, with a, one of the women that was in that group. And it was just, it was pretty amazing. You know, the power of personal connection. And I am not, I, I do believe that 
I work from home has its benefits, but we, um, you know, I, we do need to figure out ways how we can safely reconnect face to face because it's again, good for us as people and business. Yeah. That's so true. It's so awesome that, you know, those, those really strong connections can happen. Cause yeah, I mean, so often we meet new people and we ask that question, like, how are you doing? And, ah, you know, you just get the, like the shallow answer, like I'm doing good. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing fine. What about you? And, you know, it, and it's so much more powerful when people are willing to like open up because they feel that level of safety or trust. And, you know, so I kind of wanted to go into there really into, you know, uh, what we'll call a new way of selling. Um, you know, you talked about having a human voice. What do you think that is? Um, and, you know, maybe how is that, um, you know, yeah. How are you thinking about that in this new virtual world? Because I hear so many people going, you know, this is the new normal and we have to figure out how to sell over Zoom and maybe the flying out across country to meet people for an hour or two meeting is gone forever. And I feel like, you know, people say that now, but the, you know, if, if I think this, this time will be a distant memory. I know that doesn't seem I know. I, I mean, look, I, like I, possible I hope, right I now, so. but yeah. I guess I, part of me, I hope parts of this are a distant memory, but I hope parts of it are things that we, that we don't forget. Mm. So, I, you know, people will say to me, you know, oh, do you think six months from now we're all going to be, you know, staring at each other on the screen? You know, I don't know, but from a human and, you know, since we're talking about sales, like from a sales perspective, this is a gift in many ways. And, mm. and hear me, hear me out on this. Um, you know, I like it or not, you know, we are seeing into each other's lives, living rooms, you know, I did a podcast hiding in a closet last week and you know, we're seeing kids, we're seeing dogs. I, mean, I swear to you, a woman recently told me that she was in the middle of a pitch when her cat pooped in the middle of the zoom oh. call. And I said to her, hopefully that will seal the deal. It'll be a great, yeah. it'll be an awesome story. <laughs> but, but, but for those of us who aren't multitasking and are on these calls and, and are aware and really trying to connect, Oh, you can see the picture frame, you know, behind the person you're speaking to. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're in each other's lives in a way that we never were before. So my hope is that when we are partly back in the office or when pieces of this become a distant memory, we, we remember, you know, not only some of those details, but we remember to connect with people on, on a human level first. And so I think that for people, for sales and non-sales people who quote unquote get it, I see what's going on right now as a huge opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Like I've never, I mean, I, I always, you know, I, when I, I did inside sales, I mean, you just cold called people, you know, and, and you know, that's still, there's still a place for that. But, you know, when you had meetings, you know, even meetings were just conference calls. You know, we got into a room and you were on a speakerphone. You never would think, hey, like, you know, I, it's just human nature. It's just natural for me to be like, all right, I'll send you a Zoom. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't think twice. And the person's like, you know, you don't have to be necessarily all buttoned up or, you know, have your face on or put on uh, 
I mean, you, you, you know, people are doing zoom without pants on, you know, I think, and they're, they're doing, they're doing just fine, <laughs> but it's that, yeah. yeah. Like you said, you see into people's lives a little bit. You get to, I mean, there's something to be said for looking at people face to face, looking at them in the eye. I'm sure that you've seen research around smiling at people and, and that sort of thing. Right. You know, there's, yeah, there's just something to that. Um, you know, what are some just kind of like, um, I, I want to leave people with some actionable things that they can do, you know, from both like uh, non-sales and, you know, I call non-sales people, anybody that just doesn't have a quota, um, you know, that they have to attain each and every month. Um, they don't think that they're necessarily in sales. There's teachers, doctors, there's everyone in the workforce that is, I mean, heck, I mean, to get your job, you know, to, it was a, was a sales pitch. Um, you know, what are some things you think that people can do on both of those groups to just kind of see people a little more deeply, um, you know, maybe some, some questions, some lines of conversation that you've seen work really well to get people to um, get others to open up to them and maybe open that door of trust just even a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think rituals are an amazing tool to, to do that. Um, and you know, where and when do we have rituals? Think about the course of your day. I mean, how do you start your day? If you have meetings with people, how can you build rituals for deeper connection into meetings, taking breaks, you know, the three o'clock break in the afternoon, instead of getting on zoom, get a colleague and, you know, or somebody you're connecting with. And my husband's been doing this so much the last couple of weeks and just going for a walk with somebody outside if they're comfortable. And of course, if they're, if they're local, um, you know, one of the questions I get is, you know, we're nine months into this now. Do I need to keep, when I get on the phone or on a Zoom with somebody, do I need to keep checking in with them? And I believe the answer is yes, but I don't think that that we need to, it doesn't need to take up 20 minutes of a 45-minute meeting the way it used to. You know, you can have everybody go around the call and just say one word that describes how they're feeling, you know, in that moment, which really gives you insight into what's going on and you don't have to address it and you shouldn't necessarily address it right there because you do have business to, um, you know, to, to focus on, but you can go and, um, you know, follow up with the person after, which gives you an opportunity to connect with them on, on a deeper level. And so I think you need to be, be creative about, different ways, but one of my best strategies has been to mix up the mediums. You cannot be on Zoom all day. Maybe there are some things that you can do on Slack that, you know, or whatever you're using for instant messaging to get people to connect. Tell people that you just want to have a good old fashioned phone call and then make sure at least once or twice a week that when you are on Zoom, that the cameras are on, you know, giving people Mm -hmm. rules of the road are, and letting them mix up those mediums, I think, are um, help you help it to be more sustainable, and you can provide different kinds of opportunities, connect in different ways. Yeah, it's it's so uh, you know I think um, yeah we we just kind of think uh, we just didn't get caught up in maybe our own routine that we don't look at others and maybe trying to you know kind of look at ways that we can blend in with, uh, or, or kind of, m- m- uh, match what other people are, are, are maybe looking for, you know? Um, I, I think, uh, 
Yeah. You know, like if you, if you start a call the same way that you have before this thing, uh, <laughs> COVID-19, or if you are doing the same strategies, they just don't work now. So I'm, I'm looking for new ways to, to really connect with people. And I feel like it's just been more, it's very trendy. I mean, you see this in marketing campaigns and everywhere, be human, be more human and, and people, you know, it's like, as well, when did that become a thing? We were always <laughs> human. How did it take this crisis for us to understand that? Um, so well, I think a piece of it, when we started hearing about this more and more as technology became more present in people's lives and, and, you know, if, we, if you and I were having this conversation a year ago and you would say, well, why is being human at work a thing? What I would have said to you is that when I was going into workplaces, I one of the things that I saw over and over and over was um, people texting each other in the next cubicle or calling into meetings from down the hall which all we want to do right now is walk down the hall. To a <laughs> yeah, meeting. So totally. it's kind of hard to imagine, you know, what a difference a year makes, but that's what I saw that people were quote unquote, you know, alone together that, and they weren't valuing the, the benefits of these face-to-face -face interactions. So I think the technology enabled people to sort of, you know, I guess in a literal way and a figurative way, phone it in. And I think that was, that was the beginning. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm 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 looking for as we kind of you know kind of end things off. I'm I'm looking for ways that you know salespeople can be different, um, you know, to each other because uh, to their clients. Because at the end of the day, I feel like too technology has really also enabled this. Um, I guess you could say just sameness and, and, and parity. I mean, you know, I'm almost, you know, 60, I, I would say it, it's got to be very high, but a lot of times, especially in B2B sales, um, clients pretty much know what they're going to, they have so much information at their fingertips before they even talk to you that, you know, they could probably make the decision with, you know, a lot of ways without you, but they're looking for something else. They're looking to be led, to, to be, you know, taught something about their problem that they didn't realize to be, yeah. they're, they're hungry for that personal connection. I mean, I, I, I feel like. Well, if, and they, right, right. They are in an information. And I, I approach these, I think salespeople should approach these things from a, what can I give? What can I offer? Yeah. So let's say, for example, you know, you want a, an excuse to be able to reach out to all your B2B clients in a certain industry. Take it upon yourself to do some research, ask everybody a couple of questions, put it together in a document, do a, you know, and then offer, I'm doing a talk or our, here's a survey or a study that I did on the impact of the pandemic on the, you know, on this product or on this industry and that you're giving them intellectual, um, you know, knowledge to um, institutional knowledge to, to help them. And, and it's kind of an excuse to, to get on the phone and, and, and shoot the breeze. You know, for many organizations, you know, for their professional services firms and law firms and banks, right or wrong, you know, you're kind of, we're all commodities that, that unless you have such specific expertise, you can, and oftentimes the pricing is the same. So yeah. what's going to make yeah. me buy somebody from, from A versus B, it's, it's, it's the relationship. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, kind of like rounds it out. You, you know, what I really connected with um, was like a story at the end of your book of kind of what really kind of uh, 
inspired you to write it. And it was, uh, you know, one of your baristas at Starbucks. I mean, there's probably tons of really awesome coffee stores, <laughs> coffee shops uh, in Manhattan, I imagine, um, and that you could go to. Um, and we all, you know, know Starbucks. We know what we're going to get, you know, great service. And we kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's great coffee, but is it the best in the world? You know, I'm, I'm probably not, but you know, you're going to get <laughs> really great service to some people it is, but to, to, to just be direct, I mean, they're selling and the CEO would probably say this. I mean, they're selling, you know, a complete experience and really to connect with, you know, human beings. And I just loved what mm -hmm. the story was. I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, say what it is, but then I, I I'm how it affected me. So, um, you know, <laughs> The, the story that you gave of when your barista, Ashley, um, you know, your daughter couldn't get a pumpkin scone and, and, um, you know, and we were, you were walking out and she was sprinting after you to give you a, a gingerbread, <laughs> uh, piece of gingerbread, just, I mean, and it really hit me like so many people are out there grinding and and not going above and beyond, but that little act didn't cost her anything, maybe a few minutes out of her day, but meant everything to you and to her, I bet. And, you know, and just the last thing that really hit me is that, that she wrote a thank you letter that you gave, I think, to Howard Schultz. And when she says, you know, I'm just going to continue to inspire, nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, mm -hmm. one neighbor mm -hmm. to a time, man, I was like, if, if we could all just, you know, nurture and inspire the human spirit in each other, man, like, what would that mean for, business and the world i don't know yeah for sure for sure um uh you know erica um i always end off on a really fun question um about the humans that get on our podcast that i believe that you know when we can let people know just about kind of what we're all about and that we're all different and you know that that connects us to others and so my question for you is just kind of a fun question so it's um what is something or an event that could only and would only happen to Erica Keswin? And that's, you know, to say, another way to look at it is, you know, your friends would say, oh my gosh, that thing is totally Erica. And, uh, uh, you know, something that's just, you know, kind of a funny, unique thing about you. <laughs> right. Well, one thing that comes to mind is um, every time I go somewhere, even the most random places I run into someone that I know. <laughs> and so I, we, I was in, I was in Paris one time with my friends wow. from business school and it was almost the end of the trip. And my friend, John was like, so, well, you know, you didn't, um, you know, I, I you didn't I see anybody yet. And then lo and behold in the airport, <laughs> there was my, there was my person. That's <laughs> my wife's uh, sometimes says, she used to say that about me too, but it has, it doesn't happen as frequently. I don't go out as much uh, anymore, but um, you know, it's so funny. It's like, how, how many people do you know? Like, where are you meeting all these people? <laughs> like it's a small world, I guess, you know, it's a small world. Right. Um, well, oh my gosh, Erica Keswin, I could talk to you for a whole um long time about just um, being human at work um, and just, you know, how we're, we, we buy into each other, but I hope um, we all learn a little bit from this and, you know, just kind of end off where can people learn more about you and where would you like people to find out about what you do and, and, and the work that you do? 
Great. So you can find me on my website, ericakeswin.com and would love for people to describe, subscribe to my newsletter and follow me on, on social. And, you know, most of all as, you know, someone trying to, um, you know, publish and, and market a book in a pandemic, pre-orders really matter. So, you know, the book is available, you know, on Barnes and Noble and, you know, local bookstores and, and Amazon, but Rituals Roadmap out for pre-order. And what I've been telling people, if they pre-order and send me an email at ericakeswin.com and, and show me that they pre-ordered it, I'll send you a teaser, teaser Ooh. of the book, which comes out January 26th. Ooh. It might be an early Christmas present for uh, for me and some people. So um, I am so, so grateful to you for coming on. Thank you so much, Erica, for joining us on the podcast uh, today. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. Made it to the end. I know your time is really so thank Episode of Stories of Selling.